Hello, and welcome to This Week Explained. I am Tiana. And I'm Kervin. And today we'll be covering the big geopolitical stories of the week, and there are quite a few interesting things that happen. So let's get right into it. What is on your radar during this glorious week? Well, we're going to focus a lot on Russia and Ukraine and the repercussions coming out of those two countries. So we're going to talk about Ukraine getting the battle tanks that they asked for. Also touch on Russia's elections from tw- coming up in 2024, and if Putin's going to seek re-election. There was a Russian intelligence ship that the Coast Guard tracked near the state of Hawaii. And also Finland is kind of getting nervous because they may or may not be able to join NATO because of things going on between Sweden and Turkey. We will talk the X group. They're talking about making a single currency for their countries. Right. The- yeah. We'll see if that'll work out for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Doomsday Clock updated their their time to midnight, which is their biggest disaster. And then we'll talk about global violence and how mass shootings in the U.S. They changed it to midnight or 10 minutes to midnight? Well, it's 90, or 90 seconds. 90, yeah, 90 seconds. seconds. Sorry. Oh my gosh, we're just going through it all. But after that, we'll talk about, well, speaking of the Doomsday Clock, we'll get into mm-hmm. these uh, global violent events. Like I said, mass shootings in the U.S., mass shootings in Sweden. There was a stabbing in Germany. There are stabbings in the U.K. We're going to go through the geopolitical repercussions of all of those violent acts. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, and I just want to say before we get started, if we sound more subdued or sad, it's because we have kind of a weird recording setup right now. So we're trying to have our microphones feed the other person's microphone because when someone else reverberates back at me i can't pay attention so we're we're traveling this week so we are doing it through our headphones and we didn't bring our microphones and so we're kind of whispering but we're not sad and everything's okay it's just our setup's a little wonky yeah a lot wonky i will say but yeah (laughs) he's in the bathroom of our hotel room but okay let's get to it (laughs) What is, what's the big news coming out of the war in Ukraine? Well, the ground battles have started to dissipate a bit now. Ukraine did finally concede that they had lost Soledad and they'd retreated from that town. They said they did that in order to preserve the lives of their armed forces. That's a a really rare win for Russia, who had been unable to gain much ground since that initial invasion in the end of last February. So what is next for this conflict? Will there be more Russian gains, or do you think we will get back to the standstill that we've seen since October? Well, that is a very interesting question. I actually don't think anyone outside of each of those countries' leadership know the real answer to that question. I mean, we can look back in September, and we saw that surprise Ukrainian counteroffensive. It is actually a best practice to kind of keep all that information as close and highly classified as you can with any military planning. 
Do you see a scenario where Ukraine receives their shipments of tanks and goes on the offensive? Well, they could do that. Those shipments are going to take some time. And even when they get there, there's going to have to be some training on that equipment. So mm-hmm. that could definitely be a few months from now and they could go on an offensive. But what the announcement of these shipments actually does is it'll boost troop morale for the Ukrainians. It's going to help them continue to fight knowing that they're going to receive some major equipment upgrades. I read that Ukraine is now asking for jets. Do you think countries will get frustrated with Zelensky or do they feel the cause is so noble there should be no debate on helping? So I'll tackle the first part of that as Ukraine actually did immediately make a request for fourth generation fighter jets after they got the agreement to get the tanks. And and those fourth generation fighter jets are like the US F-16. What type of jets do the Ukrainians have in their arsenal? Well, it's, it's mostly older Soviet era fighter jets. Uh, they're about 30 years old. And right now they're just being used to intercept Russian aircraft and then bomb Russian ground positions. And what would be the benefit of having these newer generation fighter jets? The main benefit is going to be gaining air superiority and having the ability to hold their own in these air-to-air combat missions. Now, once again, if NATO countries agree to send these fourth-generation jets, it's going to be a while before we're going to see that on the battlefield. And that's actually going to be a lot more because it's going to take so much time to train the pilots. Well, while all of these, all of this debate on sending equipment to Ukraine and possibly prolonging the war... Russia has elections in 2024. I saw that the Kremlin hasn't confirmed Putin will run for re-election. Are there cracks in Putin's inner circle? Could Russia possibly see a turnover of leadership in 2024? Well, my initial thought is to say that there's not a chance that's going to happen. But Mm -hmm. as we've seen, these situations are always... So if we're talking right this second, Putin is still going to run for president and most likely win that next presidential election. But honestly, who knows what the rest of this year will bring. We didn't know in 2020 COVID was going to happen. Right. Which changed geopolitics extremely, you know. Just like a, we didn't know that he was going to invade Ukraine either. Yeah. Some some people didn't. Yeah. And, and, yeah, I meant like the, you know, general populace yeah. <laughs> of this yeah, planet. Yeah, ex- Exactly. And that sort of changed the geopolitical landscape again. Mm -hmm. So if this war continues to drag on without any major Russian victories, and then Putin goes like completely unhinged, there certainly could be some movements to push him out of office. Now, that doesn't mean that the Russian people are going to get somebody better. And it could be someone far worse. We don't know. But, you know, also this is, these are the kind of things that happen where it starts a revolution. So the people of Russia may decide that they've had enough of the corruption and they can all come together and they could put in somebody who's actually going to offer access to more freedoms and better reform in that. Which one of those two are more likely of the scenarios, though? Well, that we see Putin as president of Russia in 2024 and beyond that. Well, logically, I, you know, that does make the most sense. We'll stay on the Russia topic and talk about a Russian intelligence ship making its way to the Hawaiian coast. Do you have anything on that? Let's start with the fact that the U.S. Coast Guard has been tracking that Russian military vessel in the Pacific, which is near the island state of Hawaii. 
The Coast Guard and the Pentagon have yet to confirm it is an intelligence ship, but they believe it is there to gather intelligence. And what kind of intelligence would they be looking for? Well, Hawaii is home to 12 military bases and installations, so that they could be looking at getting intel from that. But most notably, the Combatant Command, Indo-PACOM, is headquartered in that state, and that's going to be the Combatant Command tasked with combating China if a war with Taiwan were to kick off. So is Russia spying for China? Do you think put Putin? Putin? <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking about dessert, and I almost said pudding, but okay. So anyways, do you think... Putin would share intelligence in order to gain support from China. I mean, duh, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a very good observation. It very well could be collecting intelligence for China, but also Russia collects intelligence on the U.S. from every coast. You know, mm-hmm. they, they do it off the coast of North Carolina so a lot of times. We've done training out there and there was a ship just stationed, you know, far enough away so that it's mm-hmm. not within the U.S. borders. So it's international waters just floating right. out there, watching what everybody's doing over here. Got yep. It. And and a lot of times that's trying to collect intel from what we are doing with our radar systems and things like that. Yeah. This is most likely an intelligence gathering mission on U.S. ballistic missile defense systems. But, you know, if that information were to be passed over to China, don't think either country is going to be mad about that. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. They certainly would love that information. Let's shift over to Sweden and Finland. Any update on their approval for membership within NATO? So Turkey continues to say that Sweden is not doing enough to combat terrorism. Now, Finland is hinting at joining NATO without Sweden. But then they went on and made public announcements on the situation, which have kind of walked back the earlier statement from Finland's foreign minister. And that I'm sure that that statement was kind of off the cuff. So the interesting part is not the public statements that they're making, but it's really those off-the-cuff statements. You know, those words being said that haven't been filtered for political reasons. Or, yeah, didn't have their speechwriter come in and (laughs) kind of edit things. And Finland can join NATO without Sweden, correct? Yeah, they're not a package deal, but it's my opinion that having only one as a NATO country kind of defeats their purpose for requesting to join the organization. Yeah, because they're on that same, like, peninsula looking thing. (laughs) And they have similar goals in mind, you know, with the access to NATO. They don't want to become a Ukraine as far as being invaded by Russia. Of course. Now, I will say that the reason Finland wants to push to go even if Sweden doesn't get in, is that Finland is nervous because they were publicly called out by Putin as a target for Russian aggression. So that country really would love to speed this process up. Uh, Do you have any suggestions on how to speed up the approval? Can Turkey be kicked out, possibly? Turkey certainly can, and there have been attempts before. Once there were violent crackdowns on political opponents and NATO wanted to sanction Turkey and kick them out, and then another time, They had made the decision to acquire the Russian S-400 air defense systems, and NATO 
wanted to kick them out, but didn't get the votes for it. Well, that government seems like a problem. Yep. Will this be enough to make another attempt at expelling Turkey from NATO? I don't think so. And then Sweden isn't really helping their cause in the eyes of Turkish officials. Mm-hmm. That's because this week, the Swedish government allowed a public protest where participants burn the Quran, which you know, that's considered completely disrespectful. And in some Muslim countries, it's punishable by death. So this has infuriated the people of Turkey and Turkish President Erdogan, and he's using it as a rallying cry for his re-election campaign because their elections are coming up soon as well. Burning any religion's holy book is considered highly disrespectful. Yeah. Well, I mean, it looks like Swedish approval is a long way off if it's even on the table anymore. Correct. But as we move on, let's go from one organization, NATO, to another, the BRICS, BRICS. Can you tell us anything about their desire to start a singular currency? Sure. So BRICS or BRICS, as that's the phrase used for the five emerging global economies. It just takes the first letter from their country name, Brazil, Russia, so India, creative. Korea. Very creative. And South America is South Africa. It was actually created by a journalist to kind of distinguish those groups. And, and they've kind of taken that mm-hmm. and made themselves into an organization. So those countries are apparently in discussion for creating a single currency. Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov said, and I'll quote him here, he says, serious self-respecting countries are well aware of what is at stake. See the incompetence of the masters of the current international monetary and financial system, meaning the United States. Mm-hmm. And they want to create their own mechanisms to ensure sustainable development, which will be protected from outside dictates. So that's why Russia is pushing for this. Now, mm-hmm. what's really interesting is that countries like Brazil and, and then South Africa are continuing their relationship with a heavily sanctioned Russia and an increasingly aggressive China. Are you skeptical at all that they can create a single currency that would thrive on the global markets? I mean, honestly, I don't. I think this is an attempt to saddle India, Brazil, and South Africa with the massive amounts of debt Russia has accumulated through sanctions put on it. Yeah. You know, all the sanctions after Putin decided to invade Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Now, to me, it doesn't seem like a smart move for any of those countries to do that. Yeah. Uh, And then I will say, just because one country is saying that talks are happening, it doesn't mean the other countries are in favor or even listening to Mm -hmm. that. So, yeah, I would assume those countries are going to be very careful on what they agree to in any economic discussions with Russia. Okay, let's talk doomsday clock. Mm -hmm. I think the world moved the doomsday clock to the end a few years ago, but this week the Science and Security Board of the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists reset its doomsday clock to 90 seconds before midnight. Can you explain what all that means, starting with the doomsday clock, what it is, who runs it, that kind of stuff? Yeah, so like you said, the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists... Or created this this sort of mechanism, and they use the device to alert society about possible global catastrophes. It's updated yearly, every January. Most notably in 2020, it had moved to 100 seconds to midnight, making it the first time that scientists have needed to use seconds rather than minutes. Obviously, this has something to do with Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Yes, I don't think this comes as a surprise to anyone. Putin has continued to make veil nuclear threats. 
conflicts are popping up everywhere. This is not really the best of times globally. We all really become so divisive that we can't even communicate with each other in our own neighborhoods. There's also indicators the U.S. is on the brink of a civil war. So the doomsday clock may actually seem a little more optimistic to some, you know, some of us who follow these global events. You just brought up a possible civil war in the United States. I'm sure some of the indicators of that has to do with our final topic of this episode. Could the mass casualty events occurring repeatedly cause a civil war in the U.S.? Yeah, it is one of the early indicators for a precursor to conflict. I don't think we are that close to civil war, but if we do see a few more indicators pop up, it's going to be something we should all start preparing for. And what indicators are you going to be looking for? So as always, the most important indicator is always economics. Mm. So we've got a recession, an economic downturn, a recession, and that's on everybody's minds in the U.S. So if an economic catastrophe were to happen, like, you know, the complete collapse of the stock market or another housing crisis, which we could be on the cusp of. That domestic situation here in America is going to get very violent. And honestly, this is what Russia, China, North Korea, Iran, that's what they're all hoping for. Yeah. We'll go back to what, you know, Abraham Lincoln said. He said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. And he said that when he saw the extreme divide in the country that was then led up to the Civil War. Are there any other Civil War indicators? Yeah, just following the divide and seeing, you see people divide, then you need to look at how the U.S. politicians are reacting. Are they going to overreach by taking freedoms away just for the sake of national security? Or are they going to be able to agree to find common ground and then they can show their constituents and the American people, hey, look, we can get along even when our politics differ. Like, I don't even know why I'm going to ask this question, but... (laughs) What is the most likely scenario there? Well, I mean, yeah, you know the answer to this. It's going to be more divisiveness. That's going to lead to more violence. Uh, Then those in power believe that they need to protect its citizens, which is the role of the government to protect its citizens. But they're going to do that by taking even basic freedoms of speech away. Um, Yikes. If that happens, it's going to get violent. But that's just how the government has worked for the last few decades. And I don't see that changing. And the United States isn't the only country dealing with violence, right? Sweden, the UK, and Germany all have had recent violent activities. Does civil war spread to those countries as well? Do you think that's possible? So I'll do another quote from another U.S. president. Why? Because it kind of touches on this. You know, JFK was the first to use the phrase, a beacon on a hill to describe America. He basically was saying that the eyes of the world are on this country, and as this country goes, the world may go. This has been somewhat true in in previous situations, uh, and currently with this sort of shift. So so when Trump was elected, there was this shift to right-wing policies that started to happen across many European countries. And it's very much possible that those countries could see a U.S. civil war, and that would lead them or the people of those countries to start their own civil wars. Are these increases in violent activity coming from right-wing activists? I mean, I think it's pretty even between like attacks caused by hatred of a particular race or religion, 
But then there's also just these angry lone wolf actors who've become bitter and disillusioned to the world. Mm-hmm. Social media has been fueling these attackers. They kind of get so these lone wolves get into an echo chamber on like Twitter or TikTok, and they they start to spout hatred. And hundreds of other users kind of cheer them on. They promote the bigotry. And it does cause some people to actually externalize their violent hatred. The biggest cause, through my analysis, though, is governments overreaching with their power. Uh-huh. Or maybe just being too aggressive in their reactions to legitimate protests. So those two factors could lead to more organized attacks as opposed to these lone wolf events. And that's a lot more dangerous. Can people start protecting themselves and their families now? Would that be a smart plan to have in place? Yeah, definitely. Any planning is going to be great. Um, Even something as simple as keeping up with what's happening in the world, not necessarily the political infighting, although those fights do provide insights to possible future violence. Mm -hmm. But one of the main things is just having an exit strategy. If you don't think you're home security will be enough to protect you you know find groups to go with and and it's sort of this the more numbers you have with you the less likely you're going to face a violent attack so i said everyone needs to have this have a a good strong exit strategy in the event of a threat we do it for hurricanes you know you and i from louisiana we've done that many times yeah. Uh, as in hurricane approaches, we have to have our exit. So families should be aware of sort of the safe spaces in multiple directions. No, shouldn't just have one exit strategy. It should be multiple. So you have contingency plans if something else were to happen. So is there anything else for this week? After that, we are out of time. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. As always, if you like this show, please try to tell at least one person about us. We can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have a moment, head over to Apple or Spotify and give us a five-star review because those can help us get noticed by thousands of podcast listeners globally. And if you would like in-depth coverage of these stories and more, please follow us on Instagram at Oakwin Analytics. Tiana, thank you so much. And until next week, stay safe out there.